Welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast where college students, faculty come together to talk about mental health, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. Together, we set and achieve goals for ourselves to get us where we want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 102 of the podcast. Woo, and we are back, everybody. Sorry for my one-week extra time in preparing for this, which is the final episode of the semester. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the College Student Success Podcast. Very happy to be with you today. Um, This is an episode that I have been, you know, had on my mind for uh, quite a long time. I had originally designed and planned to do uh, a show celebrating my 100th episode uh, because I thought that that was a a cool achievement. And then um, it didn't end up happening. I I didn't really prepare in time. And then I had this awesome interview opportunity come up. So I was like, that should just be the next thing I put out. So I was like, you know what? It's so close to the end of the semester. Anyway, I'm just going to save it and kind of do a reflection back on the podcast. I always reflect back the last uh, last episode of each semester, but I usually stick to reflecting back on that previous semester and try and take away some big picture points, things that I learned in addition to kind of talking and doing a final assessment on on how I did with my goal and how you guys did with your goals. I hope you guys achieved your goals or got closer, or if you did, I hope you learned something about yourself in the process of setting that goal and possibly, you know, not achieving it. Uh, That's what happened with me. (laughs) Uh, I'm actually not going to spend a lot of time on the, you know, the goal that I set for this semester because I didn't achieve it. Um, I am, you know, mildly disappointed in myself, but I'm really not beating myself up over it because, like I said, I did learn uh, from the process of setting the goal. I learned about some stuff that I need to do in order to make that goal happen in the future. So uh, basically what I did with that goal, and that goal for those that haven't been uh, listening every week, was to write a paper initially, write um, an article for a peer-reviewed journal, Uh, and then I sort of modified it to more of a, you know, getting up early so that I can dedicate the time to write the article, and, you know, failed at both. (laughs) So, new goal, uh, work getting, the main goal again is getting the paper out, but I'm going to, you know, try and work in the the routine changes, Um, but really I just extended the deadline. Uh, So now, giving myself until the end of the summer, to get this paper submitted because I don't want it hanging over my head when uh, the fall comes back, you know. So, all right, you know, we'll see. I'm not going to really beat myself up over it. It's just going to happen, you know. If I get it out uh, in the end of August, it still gets counted for my evaluation for this year, and that is uh, kind of important. So that's, you know, partially thinking, and the other thinking is, like, it will be a new chapter once the fall semester starts, and I want to kind of close this chapter of the uh, the previous semesters. So, what are we going to talk about today if we're not going to focus on uh, reflecting back on goal achievement from this past semester? Well, we are going to reflect back on the entire podcast experience. 
And I'm going to really try and bring up points that relate to things that I've learned and skills that, you know, things that I've learned, basically. I came up with 13 of them, 13 uh, things I learned about doing the College Student Success Podcast. Some of them are things that I learned about myself, and some of them are things that I learned about you know, this population about you guys, college students that are, you know, dealing with whatever kind of mental health stuff you got going on and or faculty that are really invested in seeing these students uh, succeed. So in a sense, this is sort of a wrap-up show because as you guys that have been listening uh, most weeks know, uh, I'm not going to be returning in the fall to do a weekly, you know, uh, podcast season like I have been doing based on the semester. Uh, I normally take a break in at the end of the spring anyway, uh, over the summer. Um, so that hasn't changed, but you know, actually you might still see episodes now for me because the way I'm moving towards is just releasing episodes whenever I am inspired and am able to put one out. Uh, that might be once a month. Uh, it might be, I don't know, once every few months. It might be you'll get a couple in a spurt, <laughs> you know, like one, a couple within a month, and then I take a break for a few months. I really don't know what the the release schedule is going to be moving forward. I, I can tell you that I will continue to put episodes out. So I really do hope people stay subscribed and that it's kind of a little, like, I don't know, like bonus in your life if you uh, are, are going to miss it. And, you know, a, a month or two later, you just see it pop up in your feed like, oh, oh, Derek put out a new episode. Like, I'll listen to this, you know, when I have some time or whatever. Um, or maybe it's a topic you'll look at just the title and be like, nah, sorry. Um, but I'll use those to kind of catch people up on what's going on in my life a little bit as it relates to helping college students and, um, you know, tackle topics that come up to me. You know, and I'll talk at the end. I already have like two, you know, that I'm thinking about doing. So anyway, let's get into 13 things I learned from doing the College Student Success Podcast. So I thought I'd start off with just kind of going back to the the, the origin of how this podcast started. Um, because those of you that weren't there in the beginning kind of may not even know like what I was thinking about because it did sort of morph <laughs> and evolve over time. But initially, I had this idea of doing this self uh, illness self-management thing. Um, so I was into podcasting, you know, I, in terms of like listening to podcasts. Uh, it was like really uh, a big tool for me in, in learning. Uh, as well as entertainment. Um, and I was interested in sort of like putting myself out there, but I didn't know how. And this idea of illness self-management with with uh, mental health self-management was an idea I, I continue to be intrigued by. Uh, and so I remember sitting in a work meeting and we were talking about uh, an evidence-based practice in the field of psychiatric rehabilitation called Illness Management and Recovery, or IMR. And it is evidence-based. It's a curriculum based on, like, teaching people about mental illness. And, and basically the premise is uh, you set a goal, and then you learn all these facts, and, and the goal relates to some sort of better way you're going to manage your 
your mental illness uh, or improve you know your your recovery in some way and then you go through this curriculum it's like 12 weeks and then at the end you see like oh did we achieve our goals and there's like a facilitator and they set a goal too so like I remember talking about this and I had had a lot of experience doing IMR before uh, coming to Rutgers you know in community mental health agencies so I, I had done it like I had real world experience and talking about it in that meeting it just clicked I'm like wait I can sort of apply that to you know in the format of like a digital self-help and put it out as a podcast you know and sort of work on a curriculum the curriculum is you know a weekly schedule uh, and it is what it came to be uh, it wasn't initially so after I had this idea I was <laughs> I was thinking about my dissertation at the time and I <laughs> I was thought I was like you know what I could use the podcast to do my dissertation you know and I'll do this illness management and recovery thing through the podcast and measure goal progress you know and I'll get all these you know participants and it'll be you know so great and I'll I'll conduct everything online like all the surveys and stuff that I would need to do um, I was inspired by an article that I had read about the impact of podcasting on weight loss. And it really, it still to this day is, is an important article to me in, in a lot of the ways I think about how podcasts have helped shape me and, and helped me learn. Um, so the best part was I was going to do five podcasts a week, you know, um, Monday through Friday, because I was into you know, just finishing up the uh, executive functioning study I had done. And I was like, you know, I'm into habit building and routine and people need the routine and, and listening every day. And I remember my, my chair, the, the chair of the department at the time, looking at me and being like, you could come up with a topic every single day like that? And I'm like, sure, no problem. <laughs> I hadn't actually started doing it yet. So that didn't come to fruition, but that was the original idea for the podcast. It was going to be five days a week. It was going to be illness management and recovery based. It was going to be like digital self-help. You know, I was going to set a goal. We're all going to go through it. And then it, it fit naturally, like, because it was a normally like a 12 to 13 week program. And that was like, it fit well with like close to being a semester. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. So over that summer, I remember deciding in June of 2015 that I was going to do it and I was going to launch it in September. So I had that whole summer to sort of quote unquote prepare and I really didn't do shit other than, um, in terms of like for the podcast, but I did learn some skills and that was the first thing of the 13, uh, that I learned. I may have actually added, um, I may have talked about one already in, in telling that story, but I'll get through that. Um, so the first thing that I learned were really some basic skills. This was my first foray into like, uh, you know, building something on the web. So I had to learn things like, you know, uh, how to get web, you know, what it was to build a website. And thankfully I had a brother, <laughs> I still do at the time that was like, Hey, I have some, some web hosting space. Uh, you know, I can, you know, I can, you could put the podcast on there and I'll set up WordPress for you and, you know, give you some basics. So I was like, all right. So that was like, it made the on-ramp or entry into podcasting so much easier because I had that initial like, here, I could do this for you because I know you're not going to know how to do this. And I still am on my brother's uh, shared hosting space. And actually we were uh, just, he was down here last week and we are making plans to move off of that onto uh, my own space 
kind of bittersweet that it's happening at this point of juncture in the podcast, but um, it's it will be a, a more reliable experience for people being able to access and download the podcast. So that's the main reason. But I learned all that. I learned then the basics of WordPress. I learned how to to um, make a, a podcast, like in terms of like what an RSS feed was, and. I then was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I, my initial, if you go back and look, you can see I initially, uh, the first semester did two episodes a week. So I did 30 the first semester. Uh, I think it was like Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I broke them up into like more um, cognitive base, you know, like, uh, you know, t- time management, productivity stuff on one episode a week, and then the other was more mental health recovery stuff. And I thought, you know, if people don't want the mental health stuff, they could just listen to the one each week. Um, so, you know, that's kind of like the origins. And that's, uh, you know, there were a lot more skills that came after that. I didn't do, I didn't learn how to edit at first. Everything that first semester was all one take. Uh, I remember, like, at one point being in my closet studio and being like, oh, I forgot something. I'll be right back. And I just left it dead air for like 10 or 20 seconds while I went out and got a piece of paper that I needed, you know, and I, cause I didn't know how to edit, edit yet. But the thing is like, I didn't let that stop me. You know, I think a lot of people would be like, oh no, I wouldn't want to, I would want to know how to do that first. And it's like, well, ideally I would have too, but I, I, you know, it was a lot to learn all at once. And really what was important to me was just like putting it out there. And like, I knew that if it was like meant to be, you know, all that other stuff would come, or I hoped at least. So then I learned how to edit later. Um, I really got, I learned how to record off of Skype because then I started doing interviews and, you know, that was like an extra element of technology. And, you know, horrifically I did end up over this first 102 episodes losing one and only one uh, interview and I'm very grateful that the person uh, allowed me to come back and re-interview them because of that they were (laughs) very sympathetic so you know that was a hard lesson Um, but all, all of these things you know fall into the hard skills right things I didn't know how to do that I now know how to do that I'll I'll be able to carry with me in any other venture that I I want to do you know I've since built one two this is three more WordPress websites um and you know it gets easier each time um so those skills really transfer to lots of other possibilities come you know down the line all right number two I learned the difficulty of attracting listeners uh, and getting listeners to participate. And this was a really tough pill for me to swallow because I just had this initial thought like, oh, I'm going to get so much, you know, interaction with my audience. And uh, I set up a Reddit page, a subreddit for the website in the beginning. And I was like, oh, this is where I'll put, this is where everyone will interact who listens. And you could go take a look at that that forum uh, that page now and you know see like it never took off um it's incredibly hard to get people to listen number one uh and number two even extremely more harder is getting listeners to interact to email or to suggest things or to respond to the social media stuff i mean it's a tough it's a tough thing to learn um but the thing is i in my mind i was like it won't be that hard I needed that 
react dose of reality because every other project that I had related to that was going to be like based on the same thing. I actually didn't learn it initially <laughs> um, because I tried again with my online business, ACR Online Class, and that was, uh, you know, in essence, uh, monetarily a failure. Um, but again, learned a lot of skills um, and also learned that hard lesson of attracting uh, viewership, eyeballs is what they call it in advertising. Uh, it's incredibly difficult. Um, going back to that PhD idea I'd had, I was like, oh, I'm going to record five episodes a week. I'm going to get all this uh, people to take to enroll in my study about the impact of you know podcasting on behavior change. And thinking about it now, like, oh, I, w- I would have been miserable trying to like solicit people because I can't even solicit people now. Like, yeah, I would maybe would have paid them, but it would have been a modest stipend. And I think back and it's like, I think I would have to have a really, really super good, solid following for that to work, to get the amount of people necessary to make it a worthwhile study. All right, so that's number two. It's really hard. And that's, you know, I want to pass on to you guys just in case. It shouldn't stop you. You know, I'm doing a new venture, which I'll talk about at the end, and it's just a blog. And I was explaining to my collaborator, I'm like, you know, just know in the beginning, like, nobody's reading this shit, <laughs> you know, and just have the mindset that, like, it could, it doesn't have to be perfect, you know. But if you get good at it, it will get more closer to perfect, and putting it out there, people will eventually find it. And that's what happened with podcast, you know. Um, so number three thing I learned, which was a uh, – over a year long process was uh, I learned a lot about my uh, from my own recovery. And I'm talking about here my my injury, my physical uh, recovery. Um, so in February of last year, I played racquetball. And that was uh, based on a goal I had set for this podcast. <laughs> um, my goal was to get more um, more active, physically active. Uh, over that summer, I had started doing like a plank exercise routine and tried some other like 30-day challenges related to exercise. And I was like, ah, none of this, none of this really works. So I'm going to try something more social. So me and my friend played racquetball. And then I tried to work through the pain and got pain on my other side and was out of work. And up until this last month, have been battling it. And only in this last month can I say, knock on wood, I mean, it'll probably come back tomorrow now that I'm saying it. Like, I feel basically 100% at this point. Uh, So that taught me a lot. Um, Number one, it taught me, like, what people with a physical disability go through when doing, trying to do basic things like related to the the computer, you know, surfing the net, using a mouse, all that voice to text crap that I thought would be like, oh, I'll just use this. It still sucks. And my sympathy goes out to everybody out there that relies on that kind of stuff. I mean, it is getting better and it will get better continually. But man, I mean, it faced, I faced some harsh realities because I thought to myself, even though it was temporary, I didn't know for a while what, what the hell was going on and that it was quote unquote only tendonitis. And it made me face things like what happens if I become permanent, you know, if I, if this disability was permanent, you know, how would it impact my life? How would it impact my job? How would it impact my lifestyle? And I was, I I was walked away very shaken by that. And it's taught me and, and forced me to kind of change up some things that I do on a permanent basis from how I work 
you know, in terms of like posture and sitting and stuff to um, just taking care of my body because these arms and wrists and elbows are the only ones that I have. I don't think they know how to do like arm transplants yet. And so if I don't have them working, like I'm fucked. (laughs) You know, I I, I sat in uh, three different rounds of occupational therapy over the last year and I would sit next to people that had way more severe injuries than I did people doing like manual labor like bricklayers and construction workers and stuff and they were losing sensation or issues with their hand potentially facing permanent disability and I'm like what must these people be going through or thinking about like this is what they know how to do to provide for their family and they may not be able to do it like what are they going to turn to and thank goodness thank goodness I I was fortunate enough that I I was able to recover and that it wasn't as serious as I did you know see in some of these other people's cases taught me some some big lessons Um, and I hope that people I guess the pass on there would be like it's hard to learn or or feel that way until you actually go through it yourself and I imagine everyone that a lot of people that are listening um, we're like, yeah, yeah, well, you're preaching to the choir there, boss. So uh, that's number three. Number four, what I learned a lot about was networking. Um, I knew what it was, but I really actually used it for this podcast through things like finding guests was the big one. You know, like I didn't just like send out a, a an email blast and be like, hey, anyone who wants to be interviewed on my podcast, for me to interview on my podcast, like sign up, you know, spots are going quick. And then I got a list of, you know, 30 or however many people I've interviewed over the over the last three years. Um, so it wasn't like that. You know, uh, it wasn't difficult per se, because I had a super high success rate of asks to acceptances. I actually only had one um, person basically flat out say no, um, and I'll get to that person in a little bit. Uh, so, but it taught me like how to net. Like, all right, I built. I spent all those years building up a network, but didn't really use it. And this podcast taught me how to use it. You know, I remember my first interview uh, was uh, a woman named Andrea, who's a, still a good friend of mine uh, that is in the field. And she was a supportive education counselor, still is. And, you know, it's just somebody that I knew through work that I, I felt comfortable with. I saw her at, at work one day for, you know, a function related to interns through our program. And I was like, hey, you know, and told her about the podcast. She's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do the interview with you. And I remember, I'm still so grateful. Thank you, Andrea. Um, because, like, you know, I knew nobody was listening and, and she probably did too. And yet she was willing to come on and even deal with my crappy, you know, lack of editing knowledge at the time. So I use, I, I leveraged that then into like asking bigger names. Um, and there were three to me, like super, uh, in terms of like super interviews, in terms of like people that were, that are known to a wider audience. Uh, those being um, Pat Deegan, who is a hero to us in the psych rehab uh, and recovery community. Ellen Sachs, uh, similarly, but different kind of recovery story. Uh, accomplished author and lawyer. And then um, 
a hero of mine, uh, Jack Spierko, very different type of interview. Uh, so I had those three occur in a very short period of time. And that to me was like sort of the pinnacle in some ways of being able to be like, wow, I can't believe like, you know, the power of a network and like, you know, what we what it can be done. Um, and that actually, you know, in terms of like, I didn't use my network to get those people. So I'll get to a little bit more about them in a, in a, in a bit. Um, the thing, another thing I learned, number five, that I didn't realize that I loved was I love the freedom of being able to do my own thing. You know, with this podcast, I really tried to stick to a schedule. And initially, I had a vision for what I thought it was going, what I thought I wanted it to be like. But it was empowering to me to be like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore i'm going to do this instead you know i'm gonna i'm gonna change it from two episodes a week to one episode a week and it's empowering because it's like it's mine um and i don't have anyone else to answer to and it was uh it really opened the door for me like well what else could i develop that's mine and that might seem selfish to some of you but like we all need things in our lives that are sort of our own that we can kind of like control and feel you know, empowered to make changes as you see fit and not feel the need to answer to anyone. And I, that's what sparked initially my interest in entrepreneurship. If you go back and listen to the tagline for the podcast uh, in the early days, it didn't, it's not what I talk about today. You know, the focus on, there was a focus on mental health and there, there pretty much was a focus on wellness. But I've added over the years um, mentorship and entrepreneurship um, because I learned in for myself that those things were important, uh, not only for myself, but for college students around me, you know, the students I was working with teaching, uh, you know, the students that were talking to me in the interviews. Um, and I was like, wow, this is something that I need to look into more. And then once I experienced a little, like, I don't make any money off the podcast, but it's still in my sense, to me, a business. And when you own your own business, you get to make the rules. And that's a very liberating feeling that I really do try and encourage all of you to do in some way, shape, or form. Start your own blog, you know, just like whatever, a, ch- a YouTube channel, whatever. Just like do your own thing and feel the empowerment that comes along with like what happens when you make changes and, and the, the feeling is. I mean, not everyone probably loves it, but I do. All right, number... Six, just talked about this, I think, in my last episode, so I won't spend too much time, but I learned, you know, that was a culmination of learning the value of skin in the game. And this has uh, been something I've learned in many different walks of life. Um, But now having some skin in the game in terms of putting stuff out there for college students with mental health issues you know, it it allows me the sense of uh, credibility, I guess, to be able to speak to issues. Um, people would look to me if they valued skin in the game as someone that's like, oh, they've been doing it. I don't have the skin in the game of having the mental illness myself. So that is something I'm lacking, although I do have. Uh, I am in recovery, so I have that. Um, but it's something else too. It's like having skin in the game forces you to pay it more attention and learn, 
whether it's having you know the stock market being in in the stock market or you know any other type of venture where you know your ass is on the line um so i'm not going to spend too much time about because i got what nine more so we just talked about skin in the game uh, if you want to learn more about it i do recommend you read uh nassim talib's book uh but if not just listen to the podcast episode <laughs> All right, number seven. I related back to this earlier when I was talking about the ch- my chair making the comment about uh, being able to fill five days a week with podcast content. I learned that it's hard to generate ideas sometimes, <laughs> and that is a horrible feeling. I guess you, in some people you call it writer's block, right? When you have the sort of the responsibility of putting content out and you do not feel inspired to put anything in particular out there and I I definitely felt that way at times not very often but at times with this podcast particularly in the last two springs you know when I get done with we're gonna get close to you know 30 episodes done and it's like ah I don't know what else to talk about and I feel like I've talked about you know so many things Uh, I didn't think that that would happen but it did. And, you know, that's part, that's a big reason why I'm taking, you know, a step back with the podcast and only releasing episodes as I am inspired. Because the feeling that you get when you're inspired and put something out is the complete opposite. It's fucking awesome. You know, um, the episodes that I think back to that are some of my personal favorites were ones that just kind of like came about generically where I was sitting there one day and I'm like, I should do an episode on that. Or I was talking to somebody and then it was like, we need to do an interview, you know? Uh, so I did not like the feeling of having to feel pressure to generate ideas for content because I, they were not my good best episodes. You know, I know that. So as, if, as something that, you know, I have a certain amount of skin in the game, but like if I don't have people listening i'm not going to suffer or struggle you know or or have anything negative happen to me um i i feel the freedom to be okay with that decision you know um all right number eight thing i learned i thought i would be able to predict and i think most podcasters feel this way i thought i'd be able to predict which episodes would end up being more popular than others and as it turns out i was wrong (laughs) I probably would never have expected, I I went back today actually and looked to see which was my most downloaded episode ever. Um, So I looked and I got the top three. Uh, So one of them is sort of like an obvious one because it's the first episode. And I I know for myself as an avid listener of podcasts, you know, if I find a podcast I really like, I often I'll go back as far in the feed as I can and listen to like the first episode to be like, let me see what this was like back in the day. (laughs) So the number one episode was uh, actually not the first one. The first one was third. The number one was episode 72, which was Cognitive Tips and Tricks for College Students. (laughs) And this one is was the number one episode for a while now because I remember about uh, six, eight months going back and looking and seeing that and being like, huh, that's interesting. 
I should do a four-part series on cognitive uh, strategies for college students. And that's what led to that series that I just completed this semester, uh, seeing that and being like, well, that, that must be something that people really want and like. Uh, so that was number one. And then number two was episode 36, which is the one where I talk about Angela Duckworth and her book, Grit. And what's funny about that one is that is she is the only person, as I mentioned earlier, there was one person rejected me for uh, an interview, and she was the one person. So for that episode, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to um, do something funny, and basically pretended like I interviewed her. So I asked questions and then played clips of her TED Talk. Uh, so I was very you know transparent about it. I wasn't trying to say that it was really her there. But... Um, uh, it's interesting to me that one blows me away because like I didn't actually interview her and didn't act I, while it, it was sort of a mock interview I didn't like try and pass it off like it was a real genuine interview um, so I find it interesting that college students you know find that is one to be one of the most interesting episodes or maybe it's just she's interesting and people are finding you know the podcast because they're searching for her in you know wherever iTunes or on the app and whatnot. So uh, the downloaded episodes that I thought would be were, were not actually, and the ones that were were, were surprising to me. Uh, number nine, the ninth thing that I've learned is an important one, is that giving students a voice is the best feeling. You know, I had a good number of experts on, and I talked about the, um, the people that I was really sort of humbled to interview because of their, you know, standing... Um, as being public figures, the, the interview, the, the episodes that I enjoyed the most were the ones where I interviewed students in recovery, students, especially students that were like recent graduates or getting ready to graduate that were, that talked about the things that helped them in their recovery and the things that helped them achieve their goal, achieve their goal of graduation specifically. And I remember... In particular, it was one I had done with a, a woman I know named Katie. After that interview, it was one of my first ones uh, interviewing somebody in recovery. I was just like, man, I need to do more of these. And I have since uh, and hope to give you one over the summer as well. We'll see. Um, but that was that's definitely one I learned. So like that, how do you apply that to yourselves, right? So if you're an instructor, you know, talking to students and feeling allowing them to feel safe to talk about their own struggles is a really cool feeling i got to experience that in particular in one class i taught this semester just a really awesome class like the, the group of students i'm talking about came together and they were just like smart and they have their shit together uh, and they also ha are in recovery and are like comfortable sharing you know, and that to me is like a big testament to feeling safe in the classroom. And like, if that's what people are feeling like, I'm, I'm happy to continue to do that. Um, so giving students as, as, a, as a voice, especially students that, you know, may not feel empowered to do so, but it kind of being that, that beacon to empower them is, is awesome. Um, and if you're a student, you might be like, well, Maybe I should tell my story if you've never tried it. It's kind of fun. Um, you know, so think about it. 
Number 10 thing I learned, uh, this podcast has helped me a great deal. I didn't learn it, but I learned better uh, about pattern recognition. Um, And I talk about this, eh, probably not as much as I should, but something that I would use in order to kind of figure out what I wanted or needed to talk about on the podcast was was pattern recognition or seeing things occur repeatedly in my life in different walks of life. So an example might be like, uh, there's somebody I need to check out, uh, Brene Brown, if you guys know of them. Uh, And Brene Brown is somebody that that name has come up in so many different walks of life for me. Like other, like people on Twitter that I follow talking about it, uh, you know, podcasters, you know, see, see the name in print on Reddit, like so many times. And that's like, I have it on my list. Um, but like, that's an example, you know, so you might see somebody's name come up or you might see an idea or you might see like a something in the news that relates to you personally and so that kind of triggers this idea of like I need to do something about you know in my life or make a change um, when you see these things come up in your life pay attention to them it's the universe trying to tell you something <laughs> I don't know how to be more scientific than that and I'm not going to try and be because I don't actually understand it but I just have learned over the years that when you see this pattern in your life of like this name or item or theme or trend or topic or or whatever come up repeatedly, especially in different walks of life, right? You know, not just the same, oh, it always comes up for me in school. But when it comes up for you in school, but then somebody outside of school mentions it, and then you see it on a poster somewhere in New York City, you know, that's the universe trying to tell you something. So take it for what it's worth, not the most... uh, objective of lessons that I learned, but still important to me. Uh, Number 11, I need to try things to learn for myself, despite what others try to guide and suggest me. So I learned this lesson actually with sobriety. So that was the first harsh, you know, reality of being like, no, I can do it my own way. And then failing miserably. But failing miserably taught me how important it is to fail. You have to try shit. You have to fail a bunch because the failures actually help you to level up because it's like, all right, now I know what not to do and then uh, try these six things and all of a sudden, oh my God, the seventh thing, it worked. When I was battling this tendonitis, I tried so many things because everybody was telling me like, it should be better. (laughs) And it wasn't. I knew my body. I knew it wasn't better. So I kept trying things. I, I tried different different occupational therapists. I tried different kinds of treatment, different types of stretching, whatever it was. And then I got this cream that is actually made of something called comfrey, completely natural. Everything in the cream is natural. And I bought it, and that stuff is a miracle worker. Dr. Christopher's Bone and Tissue. I'll put that link in the show notes. It's such an odd thing for me to link to. But if there are people out there that are struggling with, you know, chronic pain from like tendonitis or just like, you know, knees or backs, I'm telling you, give it a try. It's completely natural. Um, So there isn't, you know, that kind of fear of anything artificial in there. It's amazing. So that wasn't the first thing that I tried, though. It was like the 10th thing and the 10th thing worked. 
But so many people out there, not just college students, just people are just these days afraid to try shit because it's like, ah, failure kind of feels icky. Yeah, yeah, it does. But the more you fail, the easier it gets. (laughs) And if you can keep your failures to, you know, minor ones, right? Not fail spectacularly. <laughs> um, they actually, the minor ones, more of those teach you how to prevent the, the, the spectacular ones. So um, this goes along with, you know, the pattern recognition, right? Because uh, sometimes it's like you don't see it initially, or sometimes you see, you know, the wrong thing. But I can't tell you how important it is for me and for everyone out there. It's just not me. But the the things that you learn from failure are so profound. Um, To pay attention to them is is a really important thing I learned. Number 12. If you ask people, they tend to want to help. (laughs) I'll, I'll give the example of people that I've asked to come on the podcast. You know, you ask somebody to come on and tell their story. Um, they tend to want to help and they tend to want to tell their story. And you almost feel in the beginning like you're being intrusive, but it turns out you're opening a door, you know, for them to have a voice potentially and for others to hear that voice and take something important away from it. So just ask is something I've learned. I used to be, I I still am, you know, I'm an introvert um, by nature. Um, But I used to get really, I used to get a lot of anxiety about certain, you know, social things. I remember as a kid, one thing I was super anxious about was talking on the phone, you know, especially like initiating a phone call, calling somebody. It gave me such anxiety. And I don't know exactly how that relates to this, but like it just is this idea like I was afraid to just like ask for things because I was afraid of the answer. And what I learned was over time, this took decades, uh, the answer no doesn't really like hurt that much. You know, there are certain times when it does hurt to ask, you know, you know, the the phrase it doesn't hurt to ask 97% of the time. That's probably true. And that's really the thing is like, I've gained so much in my life, more than I've lost from just simply asking, you know, and this is like from little things like asking for something that you need, you know, at a restaurant from your waiter when you're like, I don't really want to be a pain in the ass to like asking the big things, you know, like asking your significant other for something important to you that you need and being like, ah, it might be too big of an ask. Well, you never know until you try. Right. Uh, and so this is something that I learned, you know, and that that relates to those big names, you know, like I remember like sending that email to Ellen Sachs and being like, there's no fucking way she's going to respond. And not only did she respond, she responded quickly and enthusiastically. It was like, sure, I'd love to come on. When can we do it? And I remember just being flabbergasted, like, wow. So I'm sort of disappointing in myself. I didn't push the envelope further to see like how big of a guest, not to say the ones that I got weren't big, you guys were, but how big I could have gotten, right? My dream was to get Demi Lovato. <laughs> um, and so like, you know, that would have been like, you know, that would have been a pretty big get, right? And then the last one, uh, I learned how to brand build, build a brand, right? I, the, the brand of Derek Malenzak 
is out there on the internet now. If I go to apply to a job, it's probably going to be something related to college student mental health, whatever my next job would be if I left Rutgers. Um, and they were like interviewing me, you know, I'd have to give them my, my resume. Okay, fine. Maybe they'll look at my LinkedIn profile, right? Um, but if they wanted to really know about me and my brand and what I'm all about, I would just give them this web address. I'd be like, just check out the college student success podcast.com <laughs> and be like, mic drop. No. Um, but just like this is all they need to listen to a few of these episodes and like I'm the same person in real life as I am on these episodes. And I, if I want to get myself out there for potential opportunities in the future and I don't even know what those are, right? We learned that in talking about planned happenstance. That was a podcast episode that was like one of those uh, – it was on my mind to do for a while actually. But when it came together, it came together well. I remember being happy after doing that one. Put yourself in the position to be ready to accept and see and take advantage and capitalize on opportunities because you're not going to be able to know – you're not going to be able to forecast when they're going to come. I was uh, at a crossroads with the podcast – and just about a year ago, um, almost exactly a year ago. And I was really struggling, I, you know, at that point, like, do I want to keep doing it or should I stop it? Or, you know, and I was struggling because one of the big things was like, I wasn't getting the feedback I talked about earlier. And I, I talked about going to the Netherlands and somebody reached out, Elena. Hi, Elena. Uh, and meeting her in the Netherlands of all places and sitting and talking and hearing about how things are when it comes to, you know, mental health over there was such an inspiration to me. Like it, it literally did like, I don't want to say keep the podcast going because I, I probably would have kept it going, but it, it definitely like impressed upon me. Like I need to keep doing this. Like there's something else more to be gained either for myself or for the people that are listening. So I do want to, you know, take a moment and thank Elena because I feel like she's been my number one fan over the years in terms of, you know, supporting my, you know, content on social media and whatnot. So um, I do appreciate it. Um, but brand building, you know, goes beyond it because now, you know, let's say I stop the podcast tomorrow, today. This was the last one I ever did. Uh, it isn't, by the way, but it's out there, right? And this content is what they call evergreen, meaning it doesn't sort of go out of style, right? I listen to baseball, fantasy baseball podcasts, right? And if I, there's podcasts from last month, you know, they're up on the, you know, the people's feed. It's like, if I hadn't listened to it, if I missed it, I wouldn't go back and listen to last month's or last year's podcast about fantasy baseball because it's not evergreen. Like everything's out of style, you know, out of date because it's continually evolving, we do continually evolve in terms of like learning more and more about recovery, but the principles remain the same. So somebody that's struggling five years from now might find this podcast and be like, oh, this is pretty cool and download all hundred and whatever episodes. And it's like I gained a new listener and I wasn't even trying anymore. Um, and they got something out of the content and I got something out of having my, you know, quote unquote brand out there. I think this is going to play an increasingly important role for the younger generation, college students now, 
and college, like people my son's age, you know, th- you're going to need to stand out from the, you know, millions of other people that graduate with a associate's or a bachelor's degree or whatever uh, come, you know, May. Um, because we sort of have an, an oversupply of college graduates and not enough jobs to fill them. And it's going to get more challenging in the future when, it, when automation really picks up. You know, when we have self-driving cars, it's coming. And when, you know, cashier-type positions are completely eliminated in favor of, you know, AI self-checkouts. I was in a quick check the other day and just, like, oh, I can't wait for self-checkouts because the line was so long. Um, your, your brand is what's going to help you stand out from all of those other people that want that job that you really want. And those people, those hiring people are going to look at all those resumes and they're going to interview all those people. And what's going to stand out? The person that says, hey, check out my podcast that's related to this topic, you know, whatever the job is, or check out my blog or check out my YouTube channel or check out this game I developed or check out this interview series that I made, Uh, whatever it is. Put some content out there about something you love, you know, because it will be helpful down the line. I can't guarantee it, but maybe. Uh, I believe it will become more and more important and helpful down the line as we increase the need to sort of stand out and differentiate ourselves. As people in recovery for mental health issues, you have a valuable skill and perspective that is wanted by other people. (laughs) It might seem odd to be like, what? Um, But we have positions in our department that are like, and that are prevalent across New Jersey that are like, no, this is only for somebody with the lived experience of being in recovery from mental illness. If it's something you're passionate about, leverage that shit, capitalize it on it, you know, because you don't know where that opportunity is going to lead you. So I, in sort of as we sort of wrap up now, this has been the one that I've been sort of obsessed with and consumed by uh, over the last few months with my new project that I talked about a few episodes ago with Brittany, uh, talking about college peer mentoring, um, having college students mentoring other college students, particularly with a focus on mental health. And that's something that I'm super passionate about right now. And that is my new brand building venture. Um, One thing that when I decided to kind of take a step back from the podcast, not abandon it, remember, Um, but, you know, kind of not have it as a priority in terms of like, I got to get content out on this, you know, time limited basis. Um, I just I felt like I was going to have this void of like, I just feel this urge to be, to put stuff out there. Uh, there's a statistic. It's like 95% of people or 90%, 95% of stuff we do on the internet is content consumption and only 5% is creation. <laughs> um, so I, I always think about that. And I'm always like, I want to be more of a creator than a consumer of, of content. And so... 
not doing the podcast is like going to be like, ah, I, I'm going to probably feel like an, uh, an urge to do, to fill that gap. And so I found, <laughs> well, at least temporarily what I would my next project is going to be in that regard. So I started with Brittany. We started a blog. Uh, it's not completely up yet, but hopefully by the time you guys listen, it should be up. I've been struggling with uh, domain name changes and crap, but it's going to be at, uh, and I'll put the link in the show notes, uh, collegepeermentorship.com. And that's just going to be sort of our online diary journal account of sorts of how we're able to, hopefully, fingers crossed, bring a peer mentorship program to Rutgers University. Who knows? Maybe it won't happen, and, but I feel pretty passionate about it, and I know Brittany does too, so I think that I believe in us and that um, maybe one day you will see it. And and that's my new way of sort of building my brand because it's something I really want to learn more about. It's something I might study for my PhD. And so it'll be nice, rather than having it on just a hard drive or Dropbox on my computer, uh, to kind of put it out there for other people to see and learn from it because in my looking at this topic, it's something that I haven't found as much content as I would like to have found. There seems to be a gap. So it's like if I can maybe fill that gap in some way, other people might learn about mentorship and be like, hey, I'm going to reach out to them or be like, hey, I have something to offer them. And it's like, I don't know. But I'm putting myself in the position to capitalize on it should that opportunity or when that opportunity does come. So those are the 13 things that I've learned uh, about college students and about myself from doing this podcast. In closing, I just want to extend my deepest thanks and gratitude towards you guys, the listeners, anyone that has taken the time to download a show, to listen to an episode or even a portion of an episode, to share something of mine on social media, to tell a friend or to tell a student, your faculty members out there about this podcast. Thank you. Like, thank you so much. Um, it, it, you cannot know how much it means to me because, like I said, it's so hard to gain you know, traction in terms of like there's so much out there to do and listen to and watch and be entertained by the fact that somebody makes the conscious decision to give their give me a portion of their attention on a weekly basis or whatever is so humbling and so flattering it's like thank you that's that's really all i can say in closing um so the podcast will continue, like I said. So continue to remain subscribed. Uh, I don't know when the next episode will be out, though. You know, uh, so there is a bit of an unknown there. Um, but I did want to say I, I have a couple of ideas. So one is an interview. I, I've reached out to um, somebody that I think would be a good interview, and uh, they're going to get back to me. Uh, so you may hear an interview with a college student uh, in the summertime. And I think I might do an episode about my 10-year recovery date. So next month, well, actually, it's this month, the end of this month, I will have 10 years recovery time. Uh, I went into recovery. The the date that I account is uh, 
May 27th, 2008. So uh, it's not the last day that I had a drink of alcohol, but it is the day that I entered recovery. And that day means a lot more to me, actually, than the my last day of a drink, <laughs> uh, which actually also just passed, um, because it, it was from that day forward that my life really changed. Um, you know, I didn't rely on alcohol, even though it was still a problem in my life, and I still had to, you know, figure out recovery and my new social roles and learn my coping skills and stuff to replace that. Um, that was when I stopped drinking every day and allowed myself to uh, become a human again. So I think I might do, I think I'm going to feel inspired to do some kind of um, episode about, about recovery or, or about share my recovery story. I'm thinking about getting somebody to interview me. So that would, I think, be kind of cool. I don't know who I would get. Um, but I would like to tell my recovery story, in, but also but be interviewed like in an interview style. So I don't know if anyone has any ideas, you know, put them out there. Um, but that might, that's, I think I'm going to try and do something like that. Uh, so that would be in about a month or the end of this month. Otherwise, uh, that's it. Um, again, thank you to all the listeners. I will be back. Um, appreciate everyone that has uh, reached out. And um, thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Have a great end of your semester. Have a great fucking summer. Peace. Take care, guys. Bye.